You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Bridge to You podcast, hosted by yours truly, Monique Russell, where we focus on promoting Black unity worldwide through conversations that help us understand ourselves and each other. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Bridge to You podcast. I am your host, Monique Russell. Today in my guest chair, I have an amazing woman you are going to love to hear from. For the past 20 years, she has worked extensively in the Caribbean region, North Central America, teaching middle managers how to find revenue streams, lead their teams effectively, and increase their bottom line. She is the managing partner of Go Blue Inc., a management consulting firm that focuses on helping, you know, those folks in the middle. Nobody wants to focus on the middle, helping them lead their people so they can make more money. Her background is in organizational psychology and accounting. She's written over a hundred articles on finance. Her clients include the University of the West Indies Open Campus, Grenada Electricity Corporation, Grenada Airport Authority, Digicel Grenada, so much more. This woman is not only amazing in the corporate space, but she's an active member and past president of the Rotary Club of Grenada. She calls herself the badass coach. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome none other than Judy McCutcheon. Judy, welcome to the show. I'm extremely happy to be here. Judy, well, first I'd like to start off with, okay, where in the world, I always like to ask my guests because I know that they're, they're well-traveled. So where in the world would you choose to be and why right now? The Caribbean. If there's a word for it, I'm a Caribbeanist. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else than the Caribbean. We are unique. You know, they, they usually say that we are separated by water, but I believe, I firmly believe that we are connected by water rather than separated by water. We are a fabulous group of people. Yes, we have our own nuances and each island, you know, have their own little thing with each other, but we are really fabulous people. And I would want to stay here so that I can help my Caribbean people really become world-class while keeping their authenticity. You know what? I think I have a new word in my dictionary, Caribbeanist, <laughs> for sure. And I love that connection by water instead of separated. I think we're going to get a lot into that, especially when we talk about like the whole division, division between and among Black people. I want to take our attention to a post that I read that you had shared on LinkedIn. And when I read this post, Judy, I was like, wow, I have to get this woman on the show because it was just so moving. It was just so powerful. And it spoke true, true authenticity. 
So I'll read the post and it said, today, I decided to be black. For far too long, I thought that I was not a slave. My parents were not slaves, nor my grandparents. For far too long, I thought that the fight of black Americans was not my fight. For far too long, I bought into that consciousness that divided us so that we can be conquered. Today, I embrace all parts of who I am, my slave ancestry, the struggles, the triumphs and victories. It is only when we walk in our authenticity that we can serve others from a place of love. Judy, that post was moving and riveting. I want you to take us more into the feelings and the intention behind that post. How did you first buy into the consciousness of Black division? And then how did you arrive to where you are today? So I, I can't tell you that without going back a little bit, right? Growing up in the Caribbean, they, you know, you get your hair pressed with the hot comb. And then when you could afford it, you start relaxing your hair. Now, I have always had my hair relaxed. I mean, like forever, I've had my hair relaxed. Growing up, you would hear things like, when I have a child, I don't want no late for school picnic. So that means they are not interested in marrying a black man because the hair of the child is going to be very nappy. Wow. Right? Mm -hmm. So I kind of, I, I was on that road. I was on that road. History was my favorite subject in school. However, school is so idealistic. I would argue my way in a history class like you will not believe it. But after leaving school, you realize, okay, so who are the people that have? Who are the people that's getting ahead? Who are the people who you see getting? And then you, I look and I see, well, it's not a lot of people that look like me. Right. So maybe I need to join a new club. And when you say look like you, what do you mean? Let's spell it out for the folks. Black. Yes. Right. So I went to a, I went to a convent and a lot of my friends ended up being my, my really good friends were people who um, either were of a different race or of a higher color than myself. So these are the people I hung out with. As a matter of fact, when I started to have boyfriends, these were the boyfriends that I had. I remember friends saying to me, Judy, with you, if you ain't ready, you're dead. Any shade like me or darker, right? And I, I can't say that it was a bad thing for me because it really did help me um, in my career. However, money, it was not authentic. I only know what it was now because I, I didn't know a word for it then, but I know that I had to pretend a lot and it really never felt good. In 2012, November 2012, I'll never forget this date. I was sitting down and I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I'm saying, what 
what, what is this? What kind of foolishness is this? This doesn't make any sense. I mean, you have this here, you have this kind of philosophy that doesn't really resonate with you internally. What are you doing? Monique, I pick up the phone, I call the hairdresser and I made an appointment for the same day. Wow. I went and I cut every bit of my hair, every bit of my hair. And prior to that, if you had said to me, I would be rocking natural hair, I will tell you that you are mad because I don't do that because I am not embracing that whole black thing. And I've always got into discussions about um, blackness and my stance always was one slavery was over 400 years ago we need to get over that right i've never seen my parents been be slaves so what what is all this slavery stuff if we keep thinking like that then it's going to keep holding us back and then you know i have to confess this and it really is a confession black americans really used to annoy me with the whole black thing and all of that. And I just, you know, I always used to say, man, just get over yourself. However, that one day in November kind of changed everything. And I started reading. I mean, I'd go on the internet, I'd dig up all kind of history, I'd get into to the whole civil rights movement. I really got into it. And then I realized, but hey, in the Caribbean, we have a 1970 Black Power movement, right? Of course, I am a little bit too young to remember the movement, but I can read about it. We have had a Black Power movement where Black people have had to fight and some of them lost their lives for people like me to work in government offices and banks, right? So by the time I came along, this has, they have already paved the way for me. So I am seeing people like me in power, right? I have seen, we've had women prime ministers. We've had all our prime ministers that I have seen have been black um, in Jamaica. Then we would have had Edward Stiaga. But when you look at it, all our prime ministers, all our leaders, everybody in power, are black. So that is what I have seen. That is what I know. So I could not relate to the struggles of the black American. Only when I really got into the whole civil rights movement and so on, I realized I have had a privilege that they have had. So I now need to understand their pain. I now need to understand their struggle. I needed to know why they were hurting so much. And I am not a news person, but when I started really getting into all the police brutality, the police killings and so on, I mean, it really switched something inside of me, like really totally switch it. Mm. And I had to really come to grips with the fact that Judy, nothing you say 
nothing you do is ever going to make you anything more than black. You've got to understand that. Secondly, you're African. Whether you like it or not, this is who you are. And until you embrace that part of you, you ain't going nowhere. Wow. That right there, I, I just need to say, I almost, I almost got chills when you said that because I feel that to the core. Judy, you have given us so much insight, so much nuggets already. Just the whole idea around colorism and then, you know, the, the, the lighter you are, the, the brighter you are and the influence around, you know, hair. I feel like hair is so much a part of identity. I think we're going through an identity revolution right now, you know, all over the world. And the hair is so much uh, an influence in our identity that it influences who we date. It influences who, who we mate with. It influences so much. But I find it so connecting. In the beginning, you talked about we're connected by water and not separated by water. And I find it so connecting that that discovery, it's almost like the the internalized oppression of racism and colorism within yourself that day in November 2012, it was like that appreciation of self and that love of self led to even a deeper understanding of connecting with others, like across the water, you know, the uh, Black Americans across the water to lead into understanding their history. And the fact that you were a history buff you know, you were the history buff growing up. I think that I want to make those connection points that, that, that understanding and love of self, number one, and then two, understanding the history, history of, of your country, of yourself, and understanding other people's history can build that connection or break the barrier between, okay, what is your pain? What is your problem? You know, get over it. That's something that I hear a lot, especially within the Caribbean countries, but not knowing our own history is something that is blocking us from not just loving ourselves, but connecting with other people. There was something else that you had shared in one of your LinkedIn posts, and it was, it was definitely connected to what you have been already sharing, where you say, you know what, in the Caribbean, we say today for you, tomorrow for me. Let's stand up and support each other. So that moment of awakening for you November 2012, you cut off all your hair and you became not just interested, but you're now vocal. You're vocal in standing up for other people, other people who don't live where you live, who are not facing exactly what you're facing. What is that driving force? Where did you develop this this inner power from and this reserve, because it's one thing to understand someone else's history. It's an entirely different thing to use your platform and use your voice and sort of lock arms in a very public way to say, I see you, I'm here for you, I'm speaking for you, even if you cannot speak for yourself. Monique, I believe that that power always existed because when I was growing up, if, I, if we had money, I would have gone to school and studied law, honestly. Um, so it always existed. But because I was trying to conform and to fit in with this group and fit in with that group, I lost my voice. 
However, this is really and truly who I am. I will support those who can't support themselves. I really would. And I, I have no qualms really and truly just speaking out because at this point, as I say to my kids, speak up. Nobody could beat you. You speak. So right now I am speaking up and I'm speaking up because money, nobody can beat me. There's nobody. Who, who is going to beat me? <laughs> you know what, Judy? I look, this is the fire that I love coming from you, seriously. Um, and then another thing is that your kids, when they see us demonstrating these behaviors, they are able to catch some of these same influences. You know, it's certainly one thing to say, you know what, speak up. And it's another thing for them to see us actually speaking up for others. So I feel that's an even deeper layer for generational change and transformational change that we're now shifting this mindset. I want to jump back to something you had talked about when you said, you know, you used to feel annoyed because, you know, slavery was 400 years ago. Come on, get over it. You know, they just used to annoy you. Um, the, the plight of, of Black Americans just annoying you. What was it? What was it specifically, if you can remember or think about, um, what was it the most that, that annoyed you? What about the conversation, the viewpoint? Uh, what was it that triggered those feelings? They always would come across to me as victims. It was, it's just that idea of seeing yourself as a victim that just used to just get on my nerves. Do you know, money? when the Caribbean is where we've moved away from agriculture and have gone strictly into tourism and a lot of the, the hotels and, and they cater to mostly the white tourists. Now, I have to tell you that's the next annoyance I have because when I see all these brochures and I see all this stuff, all I'm seeing is non-Black people on these brochures, right? However, when Black people travel on vacation, I, you know what hoteliers have said to me and two have said this to me is that they have to be extra careful with a Black American tourist and a non-Black American tourist, because if you do one little thing, they take it as if you are deliberately treating them different or giving um, the white tourists more preference than you are giving them. Again, I never used to understand that, but I understand it now because in their own country, in their own country, they are treated like third-class citizens, not even second. They are treated so badly. This is where they're born. This is where they grow up. This is where they go to school. This is where they've lived all their life. This is all that they know. And in their country, they are treated like second-class, third-class citizens. You're talking so about the I, Black Americans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I understand when they come to the Caribbean, the chip that they have on their shoulder, I really can now relate to that. 
So it was that victim mentality that they seem to have, not truly understanding that yes, they were, they are, they were victims from ever since. Yes. And you know something I feel too, like in the Bahamas, and I will remember this particular incident because I was sponsoring a bullying awareness uh, project several years ago and another project that would, was designed to facilitate students coming over to the university in Minnesota for a foreign exchange. And the head of that program was a black man and he came with his wife and the head of the bullying workshop seminar was a white man. And, and when they got there, each got there at different times, but the reception was so different. The, the white man was received with open arms, extra caution, extra, can I do this for you? Can I do that for you? And the Black American couple that were traveling to facilitate this exchange, the foreign exchange, it was like, they, first of all, they got mistaken. Um, one of the persons who was supposed to pick them up from the airport said they were looking for them, but they couldn't find them. And when they realized that they were Black, they were like, oh, I thought they were somebody else. So I, I do know that that viewpoint exists in terms of like the colorism and, and, and the feeling that a white person is better than a black person and vice versa. So for you, you had the privilege and opportunity to, to dive in personally through the history and come to that awakening or awareness. But for many people, these things are not taught in schools. They don't have any idea why they feel the way they feel, why they feel they need to bleach their skin. I used to bleach my skin. Why, why you feel like you have good hair, good hair because it's not natural or, you know, it's silky or it's smooth or, you know, a nappy hair is bad. So what would you say in terms of moving forward? Because I know you're, you're speaking out and you're being very vocal, but for the future, what, what do you think can be done to sort of start this re-education of Caribbean people to connect deeper and understand their own history truly, which will help them connect to themselves and then hopefully connect to other Black people worldwide? First thing is that we have to recognize that we don't experience the same things that Black Americans experience. Monique, I don't worry about if my kids go out. I don't worry that they won't come home. I don't worry that the police is going to stop them. I don't worry about any of those things. I don't. We, we drive and we, police might stop you when you have a beer in your hand and you're drinking a beer and talking to the police. We don't have those issues. Those particular issues, we don't have we have been taught that everybody else is better than us. So even, even though in the Caribbean we have black leaders, it's still, a, it's still such an issue where we, we may not have the issue of so much diversity and inclusion from a, uh, what should I say, from a black white standpoint. But what we have is we have a lot of colorisms. We have a lot of which side of tongue you come from ism. You know, we have a lot of which school you went to. 
foolishness. And in Trinidad and Tobago, where I am from, we have that race war between the Blacks and the Indians. So it exists. And I believe that for us to really move forward as a people, as a Caribbean nation, we really have to accept the fact that, and I mean Black people, we have to accept the fact that we have been causing our own demise for as long as I could remember. Let me tell you something, Moni. If you have a black shop and an Indian shop or a Chinese shop, every black person go to every other shop except the black shop. We do not support our own. We don't, period, end the text. We don't. And we have to start to understand that you have the Chinese Association, you have the Indian Association, and they help each other. They build up each other. Every time we try to have a Black Association in the Caribbean, a Black Association of Businessmen, a Black Association of, of Businesswomen, it always implodes. It always implodes. Nothing external knocks it down. It is always internal that knocks it down. And until we realize that we can't, we can't move forward until we come together, and I mean not come together by lip service, but come together, like really come together as a people, we ain't going nowhere. We are not going a place. I love this because I feel like through technology, through awareness, through the education, through knowledge, this is where we get to understand ourselves more. And once we have that understanding of self, we are going to be able to now choose different behaviors. So the same way that, um, you know, you shared with your story about your hair and you had, you looked in the mirror and, and there was just this powerful realization. And then immediately you said, I'm cutting my hair off. So I think that once we have that awakening and understanding or awareness, then we'll be able to choose different behaviors. But without having that knowledge of the history and why the division exists and how it's been passed on and how it's so deeply embedded in the subconscious, we won't be able to continue to move forward together successfully. But I feel like we're already doing that. And we're doing that all over the world. Technology, you know, we don't have to be in the same physical space to do it. I mean, take, for example, you and I, you know, we're miles and miles apart and, you know, we're, we're collaborating, we're doing business together. And I see that for a lot of people who have the core identity or the value of self. Once that identity and realization of self is, is brought to the conscious level, then it, it helps us to choose different behaviors. So I do believe mm -hmm. that as well. So Judy, tell me about this first visit that you had to the U.S. So the first time I went to the U.S. was in 1996. I went to visit my sister who I hadn't seen for a while because she migrated to Canada and then she migrated to the U.S. So most people, when they migrate from the Caribbean, they go to Brooklyn. And I usually say that Brooklyn is the largest Caribbean island. You know, just make a little joke of that. But when I got there, I'm like, I said to her, you sure we, 
we are in America because all I see is black people. I see no white people, no way. What is this? This can't be America. And I have another experience. I worked, I worked for an international consulting company and there was stuff that I could have done that people in their office in the U.S. couldn't do. So ever so often they'll bring me up to the U.S to help out a client who had a particular issue. And one day I was in the supermarket. So I was staying in Glendale in, a, in an apartment in Glendale. So I had to shop for myself. So Glendale, I'm California? Going, yes. Okay. So I am in the supermarket, but first I have to tell you this, right? I, my suit was a $500 suit. My shoe was $300. My bag, I was wearing a bland handbag. And my hair was just on point. I was looking good. My makeup on point. I was Fire. looking fabulous. <laughs> so I'm in the supermarket and I'm just going around because I kind of looking for these frozen dinners because I'm not going to cook. So I'm going around as I, I'm walking down this aisle there was this old white lady coming up and she's on a walker she gets into the aisle she looks up she sees me and she gets out the aisle now i'm paying no attention to her because this has never happened to me before second time it happened the third time it happened then i kind of realized oh this is what is happening and so I found it rather funny. So I started following her around. In the because, yeah, Because of course I could walk normal and you're in a walker. But I felt, in a lot of ways, I felt sorry for that lady. And this, is, this was my thinking. Here I am. And there you are. You are old. You're in a walker. You can't stand. You can't do anything. And your first reaction is not to want to be where I am because of the color of my skin. I really felt sorry for that lady. But I found it totally funny. Um, when I got back to the apartment and I called my sister and I was, oh, my sister was mad. And she asked me what I did. I said, well, I just kind of follow her around and I laugh at this stuff because she's like, you laugh? Yes, because to me, it's funny. We don't experience that kind of thing where I am from. So for me, it was like, it was like almost wanting to do some research on it. So I just kept following her around to see, okay, so let me see what you're going to do now. Because I am here and I'm not going anywhere kind of thing. But it was, I'll tell you, very funny. But now I understand, I understand what black people have to go through. I understand. And I'll tell you one thing this guy said to me. My husband is white, right? And we were living in Belize at the time and we were introduced to these people. And I saw the man one time and I said hello to him. And he looked at me for a while, looked at me for a while. And then he said, oh, I only remember you when you're with your husband. Wow. And so, you know, that was the last time I spoke to that guy. 
the last time. I booked a hotel room in Belize and I showed up. I gave my name to the owner. It was like a little guest house. I don't know what she said to me. I was expecting somebody white. Wow. <laughs> wow. Because of your name. Yeah. So in, in many ways, it's actually like there, there are um, similarities that you have experienced to the American, the Black American struggle. It's just in different mm -hmm. ways, right? In different yeah. ways. But just now having that awakening and that understanding I could only picture your, you in the supermarket following the, the older lady. I could only picture Judy because it was a one-off instance. But imagine what it's like every single day, like you mentioned, you know, to be facing these types of reactions just based on who you are, who you are as a, as a person. So, surely. And, you know, you know, Monique, for me, like now, I am a lot more passionate about it. I really am. This girl reached out to me on LinkedIn a couple of days ago. And I was really heartbroken by her message. So I sent her a Zoom link and I called her. I don't know who she is. She's a Jamaican who moved to Canada. And her struggles, her struggles, I struggle to imagine how she must really feel, you know? She's, she's a teacher, she's a qualified teacher from Jamaica, moved to Canada, and she started getting work, but now she's working, not as a full teacher, but as a, a teacher's assistant. And she's the only black person in the school. And she's explaining to me how She'd go in and she'd say good morning. Nobody will answer. They will. She is almost as if she is totally invisible. But when they needed work to do that they didn't want to do, they will ask her to do it. She said she was passed over five times for a promotion to teacher. So right now she is really at her lowest because. I, I don't know what it is to really live through that type of systemic racism, but I can tell you, I understand emotions. I understand emotions and I know how it feels. I know how it feels, not from the person who has experienced its standpoint, but from a person who have denied it for so long and now can really see it for what it is, I understand that and I feel for it. And I am going to keep doing my part. Whatever I can do, I am going to keep doing it until we, we really move past this point to another point because something else will happen, but it won't happen until we have dispel with this and dispel with it we must and whatever part i can play to help i can do to help this tell that then i'm willing to play that part i love that you said you understand now because for the longest time you denied it and i think that a lot of people they are in denial they are not in awareness but when they become aware now showing up is something that's not only going to inspire you but it'll inspire everybody that's watching you 
and Judy, from this aspect and angle, what I really like and appreciate about your views too is because there is division among Black people within the Caribbean, but you have made it your mission to break down those barriers and to provide a platform for people to share and understand and to learn. Because you know, you would have people feeling certain ways against people from Jamaica, people from Haiti, people from Trinidad, you know, all of these divisive feelings among people regionally, globally, and in a different continents. So I am really grateful that your stories here not only connect us, like you said, connect us across the waters, but it also connects us within the region. So thank you once again, Judy. Um, thank you, Monique. And I know that earlier I spoke about, you know, when we were growing up, we we hear, I don't want no late for school picnic because our nappy head. I really love my nappy head now, by the way. So my kids, because I am in a mixed race family, my kids have curly hair, my soft curly hair. And you know what they say to me? Mommy, your hair is so pretty. Why can't we have hair like yours? I wish we tell that to our kids. Your hair is so pretty. And the more we do that, the more we enable the future, the, the less we'll have men and women who don't like things about themselves, yes. who don't like the nose, who don't like the color. The more we tell them that as kids, oh my God, things are going to be so fabulous. You will have kids growing up embracing all of who they are and that's the kind of world that we need because i do not want my children 50 years from now marching for women equality then i would not have done a single thing i would not have left a legacy for them and and i want to help girls and boys to grow to be men and women who are aware and who have that great love of self so that we can really move this world forward in a positive way. Well said. Well said. Judy, I want to just jump quickly to your business, Go Blue Inc., because I feel as a leader in the Caribbean and you are leading the way for the entire leadership series in the Caribbean, having this mindset of togetherness, of authenticity, of understanding of self and identity is crucial for leaders, especially within the Caribbean. So you are definitely the most fitting to lead up the charge in this area. So tell us a little bit more about where you see this headed and why you decided to start this leadership series. It is my firm belief, and I don't know who can change that, that we have some of the most, trying to find a word, but, but we have leaders in the Caribbean who are blazing trails, who are doing fabulous things. And we have a tendency in the Caribbean where we believe everything non-Caribbean is better. I believe differently. I believe that we have 
leaders who are doing so many fabulous things that we can learn from them. The rest of the Caribbean can learn from what these leaders are doing. You know, I just, 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 just one person who is going to be a speaker in the 2020 series, Septimus Blake, who is the managing director of NCB in Jamaica. I mean, NCB has been making billions in profit and billions with a B and US for the last five years. He must be doing something that the rest of the Caribbean can learn from. So my goal is really to help to build the leadership capacity in the region. Help us to become a little bit more interconnected with each other. Help us to network better with each other. Because if somebody from Jamaica could help somebody who is in Trinidad, could help somebody who is in Anguilla, could help somebody who is in the Bahamas, could help somebody who is in Grenada, who is in Tobago, then our interconnectedness becomes so much better. Wow. I love that so much. Judy, what I'm getting from you, especially in our conversation, is a common thread and theme of starting within. Looking within, starting within, not focusing on everything external, although that's what we've been conditioned to believe and think and feel, that everything except who we are and what we have is better and brighter. So starting within first on looking at your own personal journey, looking at the power of, of identity and how hair influences our identity, how it influences who we choose to date, who we choose to marry, how we choose to live our life and show up professionally. That's a powerful nugget that you dropped here for us today. And then also looking within from an aspect of the resources that you have. It doesn't have to be outside of your country or outside of your region, but looking within, again, starting within to see first what you have and how you can collaborate and connect and partner. But that looking within is something that doesn't come automatically. It comes with intention. It comes with a deep understanding of self and learning about your history. Your history, not just personal history, but country history, other people's history and cultures. And once you get that awareness, that knowledge and that understanding, you take action. You take action, you become vocal, you lead movements, you facilitate connections with leaders like the ones that you're connecting with at the leadership series, and then you continue to be vocal around the works that you're doing. So you have literally shared through your stories the key steps that one must take if we're going to continue to be transforming our lives as Black people worldwide. You have taken us to class today, Judy. And I just want to say thank you because you are not only talking about it, but you are embodying it in every single thing that you do. I know my guests have really been excited and I hope that every university, every high school, every elementary school, listen to this episode as required learning for their social studies understanding of self and social movements within the region. Judy, I just want to say thank you so much for your, your presence here today. And if our listeners want to connect with you, follow you, find you, where can they go on the internet? I am on LinkedIn, Judy McCutcheon. I am on Instagram as Badass Jutes, J-U-D-S, B-A-D-A-S-S-J-U-D-S. 
because of course um, I am really pushing a movement for women to embrace who they are, to get to that journey to self so that they can stand up and speak up. And on Facebook, I am a strong diamond, but I'll give you that story another time. So strong diamond is my, um, <laughs> is my handle on, on Facebook. And for the company, our website is gobluinc.net. Fantastic. I'll make sure to put these in the show notes so that anyone who wants to reach out to you and connect with you because you're doing amazing work in the Caribbean can do so. So once again, everyone, thank you for listening to the Bridge to You podcast. I am your host, Monique Russell. Make sure that you tell your friends, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, Google Podcasts, on my website, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks once again, and until next time, be well. Thanks for listening to the Bridge to You podcast. Visit clairecommunicationsolutions.com or connect with me on LinkedIn, Monique Russell, or Instagram at Clear Communication Coach. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.